if this is our income pie, and this is our W-2 income, and this is our 1099, and this is another 1099, how much of this pie is on our backs? 100% of the pie is on your back, even though you're hustling, right? You're hustling all day long. You got three income streams. But if you lay down for one day, these income streams stop. With the house, this is money you make when you sleep. Warren Buffett said, if you don't learn how to make money when you sleep, then you will always, for the rest of your life, have to work for it. I don't have that kind of time. No one not, does. Not for the rest of my life. Worky, work, home, sleep. Hey. Worky, work, home, sleep. Worky, work, home, sleep. Worky, work, home, sleep. Worky, work, home, sleep. And don't it make for the perfect trap song? I mean, like, if a cage bird sings, then the mouse must freestyle about stacking cheese, stacking bread just to get ahead. What I mean is, I'm in a rat race on a hamster wheel. Meaning, no matter how far I think I'm going, no matter if I'm trying my heart, it seems like I end up back just where I started trying to make ends meet in a circle of poverty and in the pie graph says I'm middle class but when I look at the radius I only find myself in the middle of a midlife crisis middle of a financial crisis middle of my depression middle of a damn panic attack can't even think like that I gotta go back to worky work home seat hey 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 worky work home seat this is invest like an artist show 10 with me candace wiley i'm also your host as you guys know all of our in-person episodes so far have been recorded with a group of artists in the room for this episode this is part four of a four-part series where we were in south carolina doing a day's worth of workshops it was a long day but it was a beautiful marathon this episode is important to me because it focuses on primary home ownership my investment vehicle is real estate, but not everybody wants to own an apartment building. Some people just want to own their own house, right? And so I walk into this particular talk with that in mind, with, under the presumption that all you want to do is own your own house and make that work, make that house work for you in a way that brings you income. And so I really want you to listen to this. Listen for the part where we talk about luck toward the end. I think that's really important. Somebody asked me, what if their luck is not the same as mine? Their credit score is not the same as mine. Please listen for that moment. You guys are all lucky and you all have unfair advantages in some kind of way. And we just have to figure out what those are. Invest like an artist, demystifying finances and investing for artists and creatives of all kinds. If you're looking to learn how to empower yourself financially without wading through complicated jargon, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Candace Wiley. I'm really excited about this episode. Please stay tuned and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more content throughout the week. I have these conversations a lot. Usually it's one-on-one where I'm talking to somebody who has some kind of financial knowledge because I'm nosy and I want to know all the secrets. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out too. And so I have these amazing conversations and walk away with all this knowledge. And then I try to pass it on to somebody else, but it's not the same. <laughs> coming from the expert versus coming secondhand is not the same. So this project is called Invest Like an Artist. It is for artists and creatives of all kinds to our tag is get the knowledge you need for the life you want, right? All of this stuff starts with knowledge. Um, my thing, I have this thing about mentality. You can't do anything different in your life until you know something different. And so I'm really after the knowledge. The knowledge is the key thing that changes. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys know anybody who, like, they started a million businesses and they've all, like, <laughs> I'm gonna let y'all fill in the blanks. Y'all got creative words. But, you know, if you're thinking about it, my question is well, what did you learn between the first and the second business? What did you learn between the second and the third? Between, like, what, what like, your brain, if your brain is still the same, if you are still the same person with the same habits that caused those previous businesses to flop, then you have no choice but to continue that pattern. You have to, in order to change the pattern, you have to learn something new. And so for me, this is all about pursuing knowledge. For me, when I was starting on this journey, 
I listened to podcasts every day. I remember I was at Clemson, so I was driving 40 minutes from Greenville one way and then 40 minutes again back the other way. So the, the sacrifice for me, I sacrifice music. Like I can't listen to music. I know I have no other time. I'm building a nonprofit. I'm working a full-time job. Thank goodness I don't have a, a family or kids who also want like some kind of attention from me because it, it wouldn't work. So on those drives, my sacrifice was music in order to listen to those books, in order to listen to those podcasts. So I'm saying that to you, this isn't part of my thing. I'm saying that to you to say, as you're going on this journey, when you're like, when you're at the start, the language is confusing, it's disorienting. Sometimes it feels like a barrier, but when you're 25 podcasts in or 25 hours of listening to books in, then you have a handle on the language. Be patient with it, like everything else. You don't come out dunking, you don't come out like dropping threes. You have to be patient with it. You have to be out there every day, like taking those shots, taking those shots, taking those shots. And for me, me taking those shots was sitting there listening to that podcast, sitting there listening to those audiobooks. And because I taught literature, I could not physically read the books. I had enough books I had to physically read enough student papers I had to physically read. I had to make my new pursuit convenient for me, which meant anything outside of like classical literature had to come through my ears, not through my eyes, or else I'd just be sitting all day. Like you have to figure out what your rules are, but like pursue the knowledge, you have to chase it. This is the start, and that's like an artist is a start, right? And hopefully you guys will go and follow us on all the socials, and that's like an artist. We don't have anybody following us right now because I just made this thing up. But <laughs> go follow us so it looks like we're a thing. I have six podcasts recorded already, and we're dropping the first one today. This is kind of a launch. So you should be able to see that wherever podcasts happen. And I'll get better at saying these words as we go along. You know? <laughs> um, hey, can, um, to your point, the only other thing I say um, we all start somewhere. We got to start. And like, don't get so frustrated because you're not quote unquote where you felt like you should be or want to be that you get so disparaged that you do not start. This isn't about that. This is about having the resources we need so that we can make a start. Mm -hmm. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just appreciate where you are right now and get started. That's yeah. With, with the zeal of a two year old. Because whatever, they go in and they don't care that they fall. They just get back up and keep going. Um, last thing before I get started, I forgot to tell y'all, like sometimes I'm not that great at selling myself. If you're interested in grant writing, I have a, an, a submissions class that I'm doing. It starts on March 30th. What we're doing is all things submissions. So it won't be a whole six weeks on grant writing. There will be like, a week where we're just talking about submitting to journals, a week where we're just talking about submitting to retreats and fellowships. And then we'll also spend time on submitting to grants. So at the end of the six weeks, the goal is that you'll build your first application packet, like a packet of all things that like you can pull this and apply for this, pull this, apply for that, and you can just send things out like that. Like that. Did yeah. I just make it rain? <laughs> make it rain, grant stuff. How often do you do the classes? Like, do they rotate? They will rotate, but this is new. The online classes are a new thing. Okay. So they will rotate eventually. Okay. Um, and but <laughs> we'll 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 figure that out. We'll navigate those waters as we go through. Um, and you and I will talk about that. So you're in the other classes, yeah, so yeah. we'll talk about that too. Um, any questions about that? All right. Yep. Okay. So primary home ownership. Somebody tell me your American dream when it comes to homes, home ownership. Go for it. Sarah? I would like to have homes in different locations. Okay. Why is that? 
Vacation there, whenever you want to. Home. Happy here, happy here, here, there. Amen. You sound like I, I want to just be gone whenever I want to too. Uh, what's somebody else's American dream when it comes to homes? Mm-hmm. I want to have that home, I guess, here where family comes back to, and mm. you know, cousins come and spend the summer. And mm. Yeah. Mm, a homestead. Yeah, that homestead. Beautiful. Somebody else's. Go ahead. Um, I'm from Philly, and you know, it snows up there and stuff. And down here, it kind of doesn't. And so I kind of, I kind of want to have the opportunities to, um, like, when I have my family to be able to. Because Christmas with snow, remind you know, snow reminds me of, of, of Christmas in that way. So to just vacation sometimes during the holiday season because mm. it just kind of. But you can leave. <laughs> Go ahead. I want a lot of land. Okay. So I can put houses on this land for my family. Okay. Have our own little community. Yes. Sound familiar, Dad? Mm. The compound <laughs> that he's going to end up living on. I got a compound in my head, too. <laughs> so um, eventually, uh, when I'm in charge, I'm going to be like, y'all have to live right next to me. Um, so as we're thinking about this American dream, I'm one, I feel wonderful that nobody was like, I just want a big house, a white picket fence, like that kind of stereotypical thing. I need a pool. Like Everybody was like, you're saying things that have to do with quality of life community, like that kind of thing. It doesn't just have to do with like flossing, which is, maybe that has, maybe that's why we're artists, because we're like, mm, I didn't show up to floss, that's why I got these masks on the, on the wall instead of like, whatever, sconces. Um, one thing I want us to think about, so when people say that houses are an asset, right, they say that like this without thinking about it, right? But what is an asset supposed to be? What is an asset? Something that adds value to your portfolio or to your net worth, right? And so when they're talking about the house as an asset, at what, at what point in your ownership of the house does it become an asset if we're talking about your, your balance sheet? Once you own it, once you're done paying the mortgage. Once you own it, or once you sell it, because you don't right. see any money once you own it. It's just a piggy bank, right? Right. You, you own it, you have equity, right. which means that shows up on your balance sheet. That equity shows up on your balance sheet. You don't tangibly get to see that equity until you sell it. And if you don't sell it, if you pass it down, then you, like, you just, you paid all that time, right? So... I, I love home ownership as like with that as the base, but I think we have to build higher than that just being it, right? That's that's a foundation, a place to build equity, right? I want us to think about our American dream having a component of cash flow, right? So that the house is not something we pay for. The house is something that pays us, right? I mean, think about what I already told you about myself. I'm like, I'm not going to school unless y'all pay me. I'm not going to your fellowships unless you pay me. I'm not going to do this and that, this art project, unless you pay me. Like, this has kind of been my record now that I'm talking, saying it out loud to a group of people who don't really know me that well. <laughs> but it's kind of my record. Like, if I, wanna, if I have a house, that house is going to have to pay me. So what are some ways that the house can generate income for you or for me? What are some ways? Like if you rent it out? If you rent it out. What are some other ways? Like if you Airbnb it. If you Airbnb it, what are some other ways? If you have some kind of business there, what are some other ways? If you have land, using the land for, you know, <coughs> businesses. 
right. for Lebanon, Egypt. Or either your businesses or somebody else's, depends on what kind of land you have or what kind of property you have, right? Because other people will pay you to, to use that land or property. You also have people who will come pay you to, to do photo shoots and do film shoots and do whatever kind of meeting in your property, you don't know what it looks like. So if somebody's like, hey, I'm shooting a, um, a film and we need um, a family style living room that has, you know, brown walls, looks like a 70s style house that's set in the 70s. And you happen to own a house like that, what if they pay you like $200 an hour to come do their photo shoot in your house? Like, that's one source of income and it didn't necessarily take up the way renters take up okay. your all the days and nights. That little shoot may have taken a few hours and put some money in your pocket. Just like some ideas for you to think about, it doesn't necessarily have to be renting the house out in a way that somebody lives in it and you don't ever get to go there. There are other ways to think about your house as a cash flow generating asset. The reason this is important to me is because here we are with simple math. If you have a um, $100,000 house, it's a three bedroom, two bathroom, the mortgage on that is going to be, simple math, $500, plus your, your utilities, let's say it's 200. So you're paying the $700 to live there. I'm gonna say that insurance and taxes is in that 200, okay? You're paying $700 to, to live there. You're paying $700 to live there. Oh. That's not bad for a three bedroom, two bath house, right? Right. If you rented it out, what would you charge though? Depends on the area, but like here in Greenville, three bedroom, two bath house, about a mile from here, how much would that go for? <laughs> much higher. Mm -hmm. We can all agree much higher. Mm -hmm. So if we were to rent it out, not saying that this is what you would have to do, but if we were to rent it out, at least a thousand, right? Which means we're cash flowing, which means uh, cash flowing, when I use it, I'm talking about surplus after expenses. So, this is just an example with a single-family home where it's rented out in a traditional way, 12-month lease, blah, blah, blah. But if we're thinking about ways, like let's say you, you don't want to do that kind of thing. It's not, you want to live in the house. You want to be able to use the house. So then there are other ways to house hack. House hack is what... <laughs> It's called when, like, you have to live there too. <laughs> so this was what happened with my first house. It was like, I have to live there too. The government definitely has to believe I live there. And my parents are tired of me coming home, trying to be like, no, I'm going to stay with you guys because I rented my house out for this week. Um, so, like, then what would a house hack look like? What, what would it look like to live in a home and also have it cash flowing for you? And you, people do this in college all the time, but they don't think of it as a business, mm -hmm. right? It's like, rent out the rooms. There's three bedrooms in that house. I only need one for me. I don't have a family, right? I only need one for me. I have no children to protect. So the other rooms can go. Let's say I do have a child to protect. What does the house split look like? Like, who, who is somebody you trust who? Could live there and then the bigger question is what do you charge them because you know for the entire house this is what you charge but when it comes to family and friends what do you actually charge you're like oh we'll split this and we'll split this and blah 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 even though my name is on the mortgage and I'm holding all the debt and all this other stuff mm -mm, we're not splitting I'm holding the debt you know what I'm saying we're not splitting I'm holding the debt, I'm holding the bag. If the cop, co cops come, I'm holding the bag, which means I have all the liability, I have all the risk, which means whatever you charge is not a 50-50 split. The reason renters pay so much more than the mortgage is because they're paying you, thank you for holding this debt, I needed a place to live, thank you. Mm -hmm. I will pay you extra, thank you for holding that debt. Right. So if you were to say, I'm gonna rent out one or two of my rooms, <coughs> 
you know you want to make this. You want to live for free, charging $600 a month for one bed, and now it only costs you $100 to live? It's not bad. And again, it doesn't have to be this kind of long-term thing, though it can be. If I were in college and I had this knowledge, I would rent out all three bedrooms and I would sleep on the couch. My 35-year-old back will not stand for that at this point, right? So I can't do that now, unless y'all want to see me hobbling around. But a younger person definitely could. So if we're thinking about maybe at this point, we're talking about a person who has kids. And they're like, mm, I don't necessarily want strangers walking in. I want to keep my kids safe. So how, how would that structure work? Then you're thinking about like other businesses who want to come use the property during the daytime when the kids are at school. Whatever. They're coming to do a shoot. They're coming to rent it for whatever reason. Um, whatever film project the kids are doing in, in college or whatever. But there are ways to think about your property, even this property here, empty in the middle of the day on the Saturday. <clears throat> no property should be empty on the middle of the day in Saturday, on a Saturday, right? There's always somebody who wants to come hold a meeting. And generally, they are renting out this space during their non-operating hours, right? Because why would you live a leave a building empty? That's leaving money on the table. To leave a building empty is to leave money on the table. So if I were to picture an American dream for my first home purchase, right, knowing what I know now, it would not be a single family home three, two, right? Three bedroom, two bathroom. Knowing what I know now, if I made my first home purchase again, and we're gonna keep these numbers kind of the same, because they kind of are, it would be, uh, I'm gonna list it as a four, two, but this is a place with a, ba with a basement apartment. Finished basement, close the door. Or it's a place with an attic apartment. Or it's a duplex. Two bedrooms, one bathroom on one side, two bedrooms, one bathroom on the other. But if I were doing this, I were starting over, this is my first property. I'm looking for a place with a basement that you could close the door on, or that I could pay some people to put a door down there. An attic that I could pay some people to put a door on there. Now I've got two units a top and a bottom, then I've got the main floor, right? I'm gonna draw another picture because I like the pictures. So now, bedroom here, bedroom here, two bedrooms here. Let's call this a four, three, okay? One, 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 one. Y'all with me? Okay. How much you paying for a two bedroom, one bathroom space? Just the two bedroom, one bathroom space. How much? How would, much would somebody pay to rent it out near here? Thousand. Okay. Thousand. What about the top part? Six to eight hundred. Bottom part, six to eight hundred. If this is still your purchase price, what does your life look like now that you're living for free and making money, right? So if it costs you $700, and you know that $700 is gonna, the utilities are gonna go up a little bit. The purchase price might not be 100,000, might be 150, but I wanna keep the math simple, right? So we got 1,200 plus 1,000, we got 2,200 coming in a month. And let's say our costs are $1,000 a month for the mortgage, principal, principal insurance, interest, uh, taxes, uh, utilities, a thousand dollars, and we're pulling in twenty two hundred. Does that change? Does having the extra twelve hundred dollars a month change your life? Yep. This you is what I'm saying. Got mortgage, you actually got. You actually have an extra actual twenty two hundred because you're not paying that you normally. You're not pay. paying to live. Right. So it's more. So you're living for free. Money saved is money earned. So you're living for free, right? Does it change your life? And it doesn't take an expert, right, 
to do this, once you start thinking about it and looking at how people are doing it, it doesn't take an expert. It doesn't take a like a specific kind of like 20 year expertise. You can study it for three months and kind of get the gist of it. So when we're talking about this new American dream, my new American dream is that I don't have to pay for any of this stuff. Y'all pay me for it. Not y'all, y'all, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever it is in the world, they pay me for it. While they're paying for it, I get both cash flow and I get equity. So they are building the equity in this property while they are also paying me to build my equity. How dope is that? Jeez. Y'all don't hear me though. I I feel like that right there mm -hmm. is a game changer, right? So when you go to sell, like, equity is everything. Ownership is everything. This is the problem. I mean, this is the problem in the music industry. People don't own their masters, right? They have no equity in the mm -hmm. thing they've been working hard for. Come on. And so then they get upset at the man or whoever, you know. Yeah, Cat, yeah, yeah. Cat Williams getting upset at the man. And then, like, all these industries. And it's like, but you don't own your masters. So if you don't own it... <laughs> Then, then what happens? They can do whatever they want. No ownership, no option. Well, I mean, maybe you say that for the first record, right. exactly. but you figure out another Bring way out. for the second and the third. And you know, Jay Z's talking about this too. Equity is everything. Right. So, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about passive income. It's technically it's called passive income, but it's not completely passive because you still got to talk to these people to get your rent. Um, you still got to do a little bit of due diligence to make sure you get the right people in there to rent. You don't want nobody crazy. You don't want nobody who's not going to pay you. And here's the mistake that a lot of sensitive artists make. They buy a house for a family member who is down on their luck. And they're like, I, I have good credit. I'll, I'll get you a house. I, get you I, I want you to be safe. I want you to have a place to stay. And so they get the house. And then that person doesn't pay them, and then they lose the house. I've heard that story a few times. Um, I met a woman who was a real estate investor who did that with her family, which means I wouldn't call her an investor. I would call her a philanthropist, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. She had three houses, <laughs> three houses in Tulsa. She, older black lady, rehabbed all of them. Her niece needed a place to stay, her whoever. And so she let them stay. And as I'm talking to her, I'm thinking you might as well, you would have been better off giving her $5,000 cash than giving her your house. Because now you don't lost the house. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, you could just lose the $5,000, you know? That'll, but if you think about it as an investment, as a thing that can make you money every month, it changes the way you operate. Like, who can, who can stay there? Who are you allowed to stay there? So let's take this first step, like, I'm talking about the big picture because I want you to buy into this, this idea. And I want you to buy into an idea where if this is our income pie and this is our W-2 income and this is our 1099 and this is another 1099, how much of this pie is on our backs? 100% of the pie is on your back even though you're hustling, right? You're hustling all day long. You got three income streams. But if you lay down for one day, these income streams stop. With the house, this is money you make when you sleep. Warren Buffett said, if you don't learn how to make money when you sleep, then you will always, for the rest of your life, have to work for it. I don't have that kind of time. No one not, does. Not for the rest of my life. Not for the rest of my life. So the money while you sleep. So, okay, how do we get started? Worky work home sleep. Hey, 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 and don't it make for the perfect trap song? I mean, like if a cage bird sings, then the mouse must freestyle about stacking cheese, stacking bread just to get ahead. This podcast episode is sponsored by Body and Earth Body Butters. 
This is Dominique Loris, the owner, and this body butter is all natural and the essential oils are directed towards making problems better like eczema, diabetes, acne, cramps, all different things. Okay, so I'm going to open this right now and see what it's... Mm. What is the smell? What a, this smells amazing. What is the smell that I'm smelling? Which one is that? This is balance. I have balance and I have cramps in my hands. Balance has frankincense, veltivir, cedarwood, and yang yang, and all of and a unikite stone in there. We I have healing stones in each one that are directed towards the same problem. And all of them have shea butter, coconut oil, and olive oil in them. I'm feeling it right now. I'm running my hands through it. It feels like, it feels so soft, like whipped. It feels whipped. Yes. Yeah. It is a whipped body butter to get the the wonderful consistency. Not too the oily. Smoothness. Goes on smooth. Feels really nice. Smells really good. Where can they reach you? Um, I have an Instagram, Body and Earth. Is the Instagram and then I have an email, bodyandearth833 at gmail.com. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Y'all ready to move? How do we get started? You ready? Yes, ma'am. Yep. Okay. Starting with the first home purchase, we know we're looking for something where there is space to rent things out, right? Where do we look? What kind of property do we look for? What do we need to qualify? Let me talk about JV for a second. I told you guys my little testimony this morning where I was like, I, I just make $32,000 and da, da, da. I, don't, I don't save that much. Spend a lot on Wendy's for whatever reason. We close. And <laughs> <laughs> I spent the year, I, I, I met him in June 2016. Um, April. No, it was June. Oh, okay. I had a house under contract by April, which meant I started looking in March. <laughs> so I started looking around eight, the eight month mark. The reason I started looking was because JB told me to start looking. He was like, this is your goal, go look for it. And I was like, no, I don't have that much saved up. Say the same stuff, right? So first lesson is don't listen to people who are not qualified to give you advice. And guess who wasn't qualified to give me advice in that situation? You. Myself. I had no idea about this stuff. I had been studying it, had been listening to the podcast, but when it came to my own self-assessment, I wasn't qualified to assess my credit worthiness to whether or not I could buy a house. I just knew what I had in my savings account. I didn't know what they, how they measured these things, how they counted these things. So if I had told myself no, I would still be where I was at that point. JB told me to, like, go look. And I was like, mm -hmm. and then finally I was like, okay. Called an agent. I told the agent straight up, I need the seller to pay all costs. I don't care what the costs are. I just assume that, just assume that the seller needs to pay them. Like, whatever closing costs, I don't have it. And she was like, okay, what's your credit score? Mm. All right, well, let's get you in touch with the lender and then we'll see what we can do. The lender, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you how Jesus works. <laughs> the lender, this is the only time that this has ever happened in this company. If I did not look for this house at this time, I would not have gotten this deal. So you know FHA is one way that you can buy a house. First time home buyer, and that first time home buyer isn't literal, like it, I, if you haven't, if you've owned a home before, but you haven't owned a home in a certain number of three years, years, you could, how many? Three years. Three years, you, you could still qualify for a first time home buyer, which says you put three and a half down, not the regular 20% down. Regular banks, if like you're walking in, they're gonna say, give me 20% down. But if you qualify for a first time home buyer, 3.5% down, and all you need is a 500 credit score. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, to qualify, all you need, at least last time I checked, was 500 credit score. We don't know what we don't Look know. at my face. <laughs> Look at my face. <laughs> is that first time home buyer only categorized by if you've been given a loan or a mortgage, or is it just straight up ownership of property? 
Uh, I don't Loan know. Loan a mortgage. Loan a mortgage. Loan a mortgage okay. in the last three years. Thank you. There we go. So, at the time, because I had been working with JB, my credit score was something like 740. Sure. <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't know. I was still walking around talking about, huh, I don't know, I don't care, huh, and making noises like that, right? <laughs> JB was like, just go talk to, the, talk to the people. They pulled my credit score. They gave me a deal. And then they said that they had this double match program. There's no way <laughs> JB could have known about this. I could have known about this. We just had to go to the people and ask. Go to the people who are qualified to give a real assessment, the lenders. The double match program meant I didn't pay that. I paid this. <laughs> I'm not saying the numbers because this thing is being recorded. <laughs> so y'all lean over and look. That's... That's what I paid. I mean, people can figure it out. It's called a double match. Oh, that looked like an eight. <laughs> See, that's how you know who your friends are. Your friends will come through and be like, don't worry, I got the IRS. <laughs> but all this was legal. It was a double match. And they only they only ran it for six months because Franny Mae or Freddie Mac or one of them came through and was like, this is too much. Y'all giving away too many loans. Like, stop doing this. But because I had done the preparation, because I had worked with an expert who told me to go find another expert, the agent who sent me to another expert, the lender, I was able to make this happen. It would not have happened if I didn't have a team, right? And they were referring me so that I could build my team. My team ended up being a financial advisor, my agent, my real estate agent, my lender, my attorney, my appraiser slash uh, inspector. Did I start with that team? No, I started, I started with the point guard who helped me get the ball down the court. Yo, can you let me do my... We was on a fast break before you slowed it down. Anyway. <laughs> I started with one team member. I did not start with all of the knowledge, right? I thought I had a lot of knowledge because I had done so much research. But these guys had to come into play. I found, I did research, found my agent. My agent referred me to the lender because she's like, you told me that you don't, you're not willing to put any cash down. Here's a lender I know who might be able to deal with that, right? I was 100% upfront with both. And then the lender was like, oh, yeah, we can deal with that, right? The sex, so you got your team. You got the fact that you may not be qualified to assess your own situation. And you got the fact that money is not necessarily prohibitive. You may not have to have the money you think you need to get the house. So what happened with me is I had to put down earnest money. Earnest, earnest money is like a a deposit or a holder's fee or whatever. Uh, for me, it was $1,000. And me and Jesus put that $1,000 together, okay? <laughs> Saving it all, all of the course of the, the time. I cashed out an IRA. Like, when I tell you, I did not have cash. This is what I mean. At the time, I did not have this sitting around. I got the $1,000. The house was a good deal. I knew it was a good deal for various reasons. Then the sellers paid the closing costs. I had to come to closing with $85. <laughs> I came to closing with $85, and then they gave me $420 back. Wow. $425 back, which meant I ended up paying $660 to get the first house. If I had told myself, no, I'm not ready, I'm not qualified, I'm not, da, 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 I would have missed out on all the blessing. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? So when we're thinking about this new American dream, I want to think in a way that says cash flow is the goal. How many spaces can we have in one home? I want to think in a way that says, who is my team? Who's on my team? Who can I talk to every other day? Well, 
I ain't talked to him that much. But I talked to him a lot. I know JB was getting annoyed. Who can I talk to on a regular basis that's going to keep me accountable and keep me on track and make sure I'm keeping my finance journal and all these other things that keep the habit straight, right? I want, um, while I'm working, while I was working with JB, I was building my credit, building my savings slowly but surely on a very low income, paying my debt, had no debt by the time I got there, and I was still doing my research. Um, are y'all cool with this? Are y'all cool with this idea? That this is a possibility if you want it. It's different from the traditional, I'm going to get a home and sit on it, right? It's different from that. I do not believe at this point that I should ever pay rent or a mortgage for anything I own because now I'm spoiled, right? Because now I've been through enough house, enough houses that it's like, this is why would anybody do that? It doesn't make sense. Somebody else will pay for it. Why would you, why would you pay for it? They will pay you for holding the debt. Now, think about the debt that I was talking about before. Is the debt scary if the debt is $500, your other costs are extra $200, you're paying $700 a month, and it's just you? Is the debt scary? You got to do that for the next 30 years. Is it scary? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could be, right? Is the debt scary if the costs are the same, but you have somebody else giving you $1,000 to cover it? Is it as scary? No. It may be a little bit scary, but it's not nearly as scary if it's just you, right? Right. It's not nearly <laughs> as scary. So earlier I was talking about low risk, high reward situations. This is that kind of situation. It's low risk. If you like choose your properties right, if you choose your loan right, look at the terms, make sure you're not jumping into anything crazy, adjustable rate, anything that you might not be able to handle, right? Right. Amen. Church still with me? Still with you. Yeah. Where am I on time? Uh, okay. I'm not gonna hold you, I'm gonna go pretty quickly. So when we're thinking about homes to buy, right? You ever see those signs that say we buy ugly houses? Yeah. Why did why do they buy ugly houses? Why is that what they want? It's not just that they can wholesale it or flip it, right? You can wholesale or flip anything. We buy ugly houses because somebody will sell them for next to nothing. It's not about what you can flip it for, it's about what you can buy it for. Because if you buy an ugly house for 100000 and you flip it for 101000 was it a deal? No. If you buy the ugly house for 5000 or whatever, 50000 and you can make it worth 100000 was it a deal? It was more of a deal, right? It was more of a deal. When you're looking at homes, the home like may not look like what you're used to imagining a home look, looking like that you're gonna walk into. You're thinking about your cash flow. You're not necessarily thinking about whether it has the wooden floors and the chandeliers that you want. You can put chandeliers in it if you want to, but if it's cash flowing right, like you, you might change the whole thing around if that's what you wanna do, if it's cash flowing right. So when you're thinking about the purchase, I want you to think about these things, right? I want you to think about, first, what can you afford? I don't even know if I wrote that down. Have your price and don't go over it. So when we're talking about what you can afford, what typically do people say when they're saying, oh, when you pay for rent or you pay for mortgage, you want it to be what percent of your income? When you're paying for rent or paying for mortgage, what's the standard percentage you hear? 30. People say, pay 30%. Who says that? Mm-hmm. Who says that? <laughs> Who made that rule? Who made the rule that you should pay 30% for wherever you live? Whoever is getting your money. Right. I want you to pay 30% to live in my place. 
Why wouldn't I? Hmm. You shouldn't do that. Like, if you have a choice, if you have a choice to go down to 20% for whatever place you plan to live or plan to house hack or whatever, do that, why not? You have an extra 10% to pay yourself with just by saving that 20%. Now you've made money before you've even started cash flowing in this way, right? Come on. Am I saying crazy stuff? Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Yes, sir. Okay. Challenging our thoughts. Are we okay? It's good. It's good. Tamika, okay, you would tell me the truth, right? Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I never did pause and ask a question. I was just like, y'all with me? And then I kept going. Does anybody have any questions? Okay, we're going to keep rolling. Let's throw the VA. Let's throw the VA. VA is 0% down. VA, you just walk in. That's it. I come up here. Give me my respect. Throw the in there. You go get something. Go get something today. Go pick it up. <laughs> like, right now. Do it now on a Saturday when the offices are closed. So when we're talking about what you can can afford, the lender does not determine what you can afford. They just determine what they are willing to lend you. Say that again. Is everybody cool with that? It doesn't matter what we talk about. Car, house. The lender just tells you what they're willing to lend you. You don't have to take that. You do not have to spend 30% of your monthly income just on a place to live. So if you can bump that down to 20%, that means 10% is already in your pocket. You're already in the green. You're already in a comfortable space. So if we're talking about low risk, high reward, real estate investing, you're lower risk if you're closer to 20 than you are 30 and above, right? So rule number one is you're going to get something that you can afford, and you're going to decide what that means, what afford means. Okay. Rule number two, I'm going to say, this is my rule, this is my new rule. This wasn't my rule for my first house, but... You, you're looking for a deal, right? If you have time, you're looking to pay 70% of what the house is valued. If you have time, that means you're going to pass, pass through a lot of houses where you're like, oh, but it's so beautiful. But, oh, they got the wainscoting and the molding. Oh, they got this and that. Why 70%? Why is that my number? You say look to pay seventy percent of what the house is worth. Yeah. So if the house is, if you know for you sure, say that, no more than seventy percent, right? I'm gonna. I'm saying the goal is seventy percent. Okay. Maybe they negotiate you to eighty-five. You still got a deal. Okay. They negotiate you up to eighty-five or ninety. You still got a deal. They paying closing costs. Doesn't matter. You're at ninety percent. You can work out the terms however you want to at that point. Equity. Yeah. Equity. The reason. This is my number is because I want to start with equity. I don't want to have to wait five years to get some equity in this house. Because equity is money in the bank, the bank being the house, right? If I can start with equity, I start from a place of power That's good. that I didn't have to pay for. That I didn't have to pay for. So sometimes you have to wait for a deal like this. In some markets, you may not find it very easily. Like Greenville is a very quick market. Some houses, so they say that because some houses sit on the market just for one day before they're snatched up. But they don't talk about these houses that if you went and looked right now on Zillow, these houses sitting on there for 30 days, 100 days. What's going on with those houses? Look into them. Somebody's going to be willing, ready to sell. Like the house is just sitting there. Ask some questions. Questions are free. So something you can afford, try to get a deal, shoot for 70%. If you can get it, you may not always be able to get it. Nose are beautiful things. <clears throat> Sometimes the if you're dealing with the FISBO, FISBO, if you're dealing with a for sale by owner, 
you're able to get this kind of deal easier. Why? Agent's not there. Agent doesn't have to fight for their commission. The homeowner is the only person you're talking to, and they may say, you know, I'll, I, how do they say that? I like the cut of your jib. Maybe they'll say some phrase Ooh. like that. That sounds like what I you like said. you. So you're for, a good fit. You're a good fit. For that reason, I mean, sometimes that, it works like that. Sometimes people are like, I want to sell to this kind of person or this kind of family. When you're dealing with it for sale by owner, they do things like that, right? You just, I just love that you sent me a thank you note after we met. And it just made me feel good about you living in the neighborhood I'm leaving. You know, it's just little things like that. Um, <clears throat> those things work. Okay. When you're... Another option, let's say FHA may not be an option or maybe your credit makes something not an option for you. If you're dealing with FISBOs, you may be able to get a rent-to-own type situation where they say, okay, you couldn't give this down payment or you couldn't qualify for this and blah, blah, blah. Let's set our own agreement. And now you're in the house for little to nothing or maybe something, maybe you put five down or whatever. Whatever y'all work out, that's a way to get into the house. Now you got an agreement with this person and you don't have a loan on your credit because it's, it's, it's with the seller. The bank never processed that. It never went through. Um, when you're looking for something to buy, you want the worst house in the best neighborhood. Not the best neighborhood, in a good neighborhood, in a nice neighborhood. I'm still not in the best neighborhood. I don't want to be in the best neighborhood, right? But a nice neighborhood where I know I always have buyers, whatever the market does. A nice neighborhood. Worst house in a nice neighborhood. Why is that? Why the worst house in a nice neighborhood? Because, okay, I'm guessing from based off of what I remember. So it's like you're paying the you're paying the property value, right? The value of like the area that you're surrounded in, and so it's like the houses that are better than you. You're that's where you're kind of going up to. Other like houses lift your value. Yeah. Kind of doesn't matter what your house does in the moment because the other houses are lifting the value of your house. So if you improve your house, whatever makes it ugly, if you fix those trees or you paint or power wash or whatever it takes, then the value of your property jumps easier because of the houses that are sur surrounding it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I had a question, because I think somebody Go said, for it. so you said if you, so we buy the ugly house and then we like do like renovations on it and make it like really, really cool. Is that good, is that what you're talking about? Is that good or is that like, you don't want it to be the best house? Like you don't want to make it so much better? That's the fixer upper. Like, or I'm going to put slash rehab because those are technically two different things. Fixer upper slash rehab is the one where you got to go in and put 10000 20000 30000 into it, right? If we're just talking about an ugly house, the house is livable. It's probably nice inside. It just probably has, like, I don't know, some old something from the 70s out front. It probably just has ugly curb appeal, right? It's a cosmetic thing that's not really going to bother you, but it's... When it comes to other homeowners, they're like, well, I can pay for that house and never have to worry about this ugly facade. Like, the ugly houses are generally good houses. They don't need a lot of work. Your fixers, fixer-uppers, those are ones that need work. And you just have to have the stomach for that. You have to have the stomach for that. Yeah? Cool. Cool. Those are my tips. One thing I want you to like walk away with, and then I'll open it up to questions. Um, when you are choosing however it is that you're going to make your property cash flow, whatever it is, you set your criteria and stick with it. Whatever your criteria is, 
my mom's a shark when it comes to this with her rental property. I'm less of a shark. I'm, I'm the feeling person. I'm like, oh, but mom, this person has three kids. I should let them stay and this and that. And my mom will go, how many other houses exist in your town other than yours? Let them stay in one of those houses. <laughs> she will look at me and challenge me to, to stick to my criteria. What is it that I need to have paid off and surplus every month? And so when you start bending your criteria, when you bend your own rules about how you right. want to be treated, that's when people take advantage of you right. and you feel upset about it. But they, you gave them, they, they asked for it and you gave it to them, right? So you can't blame them. You chose to bend your rules. As long as you stay hard, to, stay hard and fast to your rules, then like you, you're less likely to feel that feeling that you are being taken advantage of in that way. Does that make sense? I, even though, here, and here's part of what, what helps me hold on to this criteria. I am not, like I said earlier today, I'm not a multimillionaire. So every dollar I get actually matters to me. Every dollar I get actually goes into changing my life, the life of my parents in the future, and the life of my kids in the future, right? Every dollar I get right now in this moment makes a difference. Maybe when I get to the point where that's not the case, I can say, oh, yeah, y'all need a place to stay. Stay for free as long as you want. Doesn't even matter. I got a multi-million dollar portfolio. I'm not there, though. Which means I can't pretend to be there. Because if they, if, if this kind of giving puts me in jeopardy of losing whatever it is I've worked so hard for and having to start over, then, then what good was it? Now I'm the one who needs to stay with somebody else because I let somebody stay in my property. They put me in jeopardy. Now I got to stay with somebody else. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put, I'm going to hold fast to my criteria. So I'm saying that to you. No, no sob stories, no friends, no family. No, stick to your criteria. Don't give those discounts. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to go then beg for the discounts that you just gave somebody else. Right? And that's it. You just want your money making money, your cash flow making cash flow. You cash flowing on these properties to buy other properties if that's what you want. Cash flowing on those properties to put it into some investments if that's what you want. Put it into a business. Then you have your money making money and this doing it while you're sleeping. That's the end of this. Anybody have any questions? I went fast.
you, you don't move, you won't move. Like, you, you have to just start. You have to just go. You have to just go. Because we can, we can uh, I call it analysis paralysis. Like, we can analyze something so much until we don't do anything. We're just kind of stuck. You know, um, just the moment you determine this is something I want to do, put it out there. Say it. I recommend telling somebody. Because Candace told me she wanted to buy a house. I was like, okay, I'm going to hold you to that. She was like, okay, do that, do that, do that. I was like, okay, what you doing? Like, are you, like, have you talked to anybody? Have you looked at anything? Oh, you don't want to buy a house. Like, you ain't, like, you can't buy something if you don't go see something. Like, so, so do it. And to Candace's point, uh, one of the, the books I, I tell her about all the time, The Magic of Thinking Big. Like, literally, what we believe becomes our reality. You know, I use this example all the time. You, you've never seen your car until you bought your car or started looking at your car or test drove your car, and now all of a sudden you see your car everywhere. That's because your mind has internalized the fact that I am going to do this and I want to do that. And the creative geniuses that we are, our minds without our permission begin to try to make what we thought and said a reality. So your mind has its own way of making you aware and alert of that which you said. And so it's been scientifically proven. It's like So once you like just start and be aware and pay attention, and like what Candace said happens, like the pieces of the puzzle will fall in place. But you're never going to run a marathon if you don't get out of bed and take the first step out the door to start training. That's why the scarcity of versus abundance mindset is so important because if you go to a plan and you think you don't have enough, you'll never have enough. You just won't. Like, you can have a million dollars right here. If you don't think you have enough, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our thoughts are You know what I mean? If you can have five dollars here, say this is enough to do what I need to do, you'll find out that five dollars carries you. If you met somebody else that you have to pay for this, and somebody else did this for you, and you recognize the five dollars, it wasn't about the money. It's about to get funded. Mm. What more do you have to do? So, um, I just want to say if there's anybody in the room is eligible for VA loans, I just wanted to encourage you to definitely pursue it. Because I had two clients from December till now that started the loan process. I work with veterans that started the loan process and closed on their homes. And it's like, it's, it's easy. It's, they want your loans. It's practically no documentation because if you're a veteran, it's, it's easy. I mean, it's, it's really easy. So I want to encourage you to just go and try because I've had veterans close like, like that. How much so for people who don't have a seven hundred and forty credit score, like how much do you think that that would play into a part? Because um, the example that you gave like something like great, but it also kind of seemed like some great things were also working. Right. Great things were working in my favor. Stars were aligned. So I'm going to say to you that if you start taking the step forward, stars might align for you too. Nobody knew that double match was going to be there. Nobody knew. And I keep referring people to that lender. He had to call me and say, hey, Candace, that was only in effect for like six months. You were one of the few people who got it because of the time period. Like, we don't do the double match anymore. But that doesn't mean something else won't come into play. So, like, you take those steps, and especially when you start taking those steps, the, the lender will give you the criteria you need. So let's say you're maybe closer to the 500, which is the minimum for the FHA. Then your lender might say you would qualify for this kind of loan at this kind of interest. And you might say, I don't like that. So then you look at the credit report and figure out what you need to fix on your credit report in order to get to the interest and the price range that you want. And you spend a year working toward that. I mean, a year is just a year. Like, you can accomplish a lot in a year. Mm-hmm. Like, and getting started, it won't take, like, 
really you can see drastic improvements in a year's time and it gives you extra time to get other stuff ready and when you're thinking about cash flow when you're thinking about saving up just kind of other little stuff and you just start working on those things the beauty about actually sitting down with the lender is that in most cases not all but in most cases they can almost tell you like this is what they do like this is their thing so they can almost tell you exactly mm -hmm. mr dove you need to do this 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 and this and six months nine months 12 months from now you'll be ready to go mm -hmm. and then it's up to you to say hey i'm gonna do my homework what's y'all's opinion of stuff like credit karma and credit sesame oh they're liars <laughs> It is good to keep track of the the direction of your score, but I they're not using the same criteria to come up with their scores. They're using so they're different, so many different credit scores, and they're the scores that they use on a Credit Karma or something like that are not the scores that your lender are going to use. Which means they lie to me. Don't trust it. Like don't. Yeah, don't. Don't trust. My lender was like, "Oh, you awesome. You good." Yeah, and it, it might sometimes it might work in your favor or against you because I've seen it both ways. Uh, what I tell people, so uh, Capital One has a really good program. Discover has a program where they will not charge you and they'll actually show you. Um, so Discover will literally show you your score. You can get three free credit reports. Your bank will give you your score. Like you can trust. You can trust that stuff when you're trying to prepare for a goal like that. Now, if you just want something kind of whimsical and something that's just kind of, oh, I want to see generally, am I making progress? Then and sure. Pay $30 and a month to see it, then do. Oh, they charge you 30 Oh, they charge you 30 Credit check total charge Oh, well, yeah. I thought I was getting some because I was paying for it. It wasn't oh, free. No, it was too. free. Yeah. I'm oh, so sorry about that. Karma doesn't, but at the same time, like he said, it works both ways. Um, yeah, yeah. I looked at my score and I was like, there's no way I can qualify for my car. But I got tired of moving around and I had one foot because Mars sucks. And so mm -hmm. I told myself, I'm going to walk down to this um, dealership. And I drove off that day with a brand new car. My <laughs> score was higher than what car was Yeah, okay. it works both ways. Yeah. They're, they're just inaccurate. It's inaccurate. It's not accurate at all for what most people want it for mm -hmm. uh, because of the different scores that they use. And depending on what day it is, they might not even them themselves are using different scores. So that's what I'm passing for. Thank you guys for coming out. For this yeah, yeah, yeah. For this part. For this part. The next part is the slam. Work, 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 hey, work, 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 Just a reminder, Invest Like an Artist does not give investment, finance, tax, or legal advice. This is the beginning, not the end, of your own due diligence. To read the full disclaimer, visit our website at investlikeanartist.com. This episode was recorded in Greenville, South Carolina. Invest Like an Artist is supported by The Watering Hole Poetry at twhpoetry.org and is produced by Carl Antonowicz of cantocomics.com. Our theme music was written by Douglas Powell, a.k.a. Roscoe Burnham's at roscoeb.webs.com and produced by Kyle Epps at blcgld.com. For more information and for a helpful discussion of finances for artists, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit us at investlikeanartist.com.